Hello and welcome to episode number 47 of Play Me Tape, a show where we delve song by song into the music that means something. I'm joined as always by my good friend Darren. Don't you hate Pat? <laughs> and my name is Jake. That is uh, one of your all-time favorite Homer Simpson lines. With good reason, it's amazing. It really is. I hope he makes us burn our pants. Don't you hate pants? Amazing. I'm not a big fan of pants. I prefer shorts. Wow. The moment I can start wearing shorts, I wear shorts. Not that I want to burn my pants, but I like shorts. I'm allowed to wear shorts at work, too, even though I work in a shop. Mm -hmm. I'm actually allowed, and I love it. I'm indifferent to shorts. Really? Yeah, I don't care. Huh. I love the freedom. <laughs> I do. Yeah, fair. I'd wear shorts year-round if I could. It was too damn cold, and my knees would hurt. I don't want that. A lot of guys wear shorts year-round anyway. I know. Who are those guys? My son is one of them. Really? Yeah, that dude wears shorts all the time. Why? Guess he likes shorts. What's the logic? Maybe he hates pants. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I like it, though. I like a good short. So how you doing, friend? Good, pal. Dealing with this rain. Yeah, I know. Stupid rain. Stupid it's rained rain. a lot this year. I hate it. I didn't hate the rain as much until I bought a convertible. Right. Oh, yeah. Now I really hate the rain. That'll harsh your mellow. Yeah. Yeah, it's not fun. I got a bit of a topic this week. Cool. Did you want to discuss it? Sure. Really? Yes. That makes me happy. Okay, so I wanted to kind of touch on what the original sort of idea was for this podcast. Yeah. And that is the whole play me tape thing, right? The basis of that was this anal retentive kid that you went to school with, took bus trips with to hockey in England, was making mixed tapes, correct? True. Did you ever actually listen to like a whole mixed tape of his? Oh yeah, absolutely. And read the liner notes that he typed out by hand, for sure. Was he doing liner notes or was he just doing the song name and, and artist? No, it was just the song name and artist, yeah. Gotcha. Would you say that his mixtapes had any sort of theme or idea or was it just a collection of music put together well first of all this was a long time ago so i'm maybe not remembering the best that i could but to my recollection no it was just collections of songs that he liked there was no overarching theme to any of it i'm assuming that you've made a mixtape or two in your life of course did you typically go for a theme or an idea, or did it was it just the same sort of thing? You just grabbed a bunch of songs that you really, really liked and put them on a tape and hoped that was good enough? That's a really good question. I generally stayed with, I had a couple of songs that I wanted to get on there, and I needed to stitch the tape together to get from point A to point B to point C, because sometimes you have three different songs, and you're like, I, I want to work all three of these songs onto a mixtape. But you can't put them one after the other because they're kind of incongruous, you know? Does that, yes. does that yep. ring any bells for you? So, Definitely. like, this song is too jarring to put directly after that song. There needs to be some kind of flow. And so finding those, those pathways from song A to get to song B, that's what the mixtape was all about. Then you'd start going through your CDs to find the songs that kind of worked to get you from here, that would get you to there, that would get you to song B. Having said that, I don't remember making a lot of really thematic mixtapes. Like, oh, the theme of this mixtape is 
I, I, I don't even know. I no. I short answer, no. I never did that. Did you ever do a mixtape for a girl? Mm, yeah, of course. Did you do those with sort of an idea? In, like, were they romantic or was it? No, just no, no. no. I never, I never did that in a romantic way. But yeah, I, I made mixtapes to give to people, but not like I love you, Dream Woman. Listen to my tape. <laughs> I never did that. I swear. Did you ever like? put one together that you sort of felt a little bit vulnerable about that you handed off and went, Oh man, I hope she doesn't think I'm a complete tool. Every time I made a mixtape, I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like doing these episodes. You're putting something out there that you're like, Oh, I love this. This is so good. And now you're offering it up for someone else's judgment. It's like the screaming blue Messiahs episode. It's something yeah, that yeah. you're like, I love this so much. Please like it. And then if they don't, <laughs> Oh, the awkwardness and the heartbreak. Yeah. Oh, the heartbreak. Yeah, it can be a tough one. I know I did a bunch of them. I think when I was doing mixtapes, I was so confident in what I was putting on them. Sure. That that people had to love this stuff. Oh, there's no way somebody's not going to like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, pe people could have hated it, but I, I knew I loved it. And I, I think I was clueless enough at that age. We we also, don't forget, not just not just you and I, but... There was a, a time there when the road trip was the sort of thing that could happen with some regularity. And so we would make, if we knew a trip was coming up, I mean, you spent time making tapes just for the sake of that trip. Yeah. That was a given. That was part of any travel. That was just a natural part of any travel. Those were the most fun for me were, were the road trip mixtapes. But the problem with those for me was if I was traveling with you and God forbid we were traveling with Mark, I wasn't putting anything out there. Just not comfortable with your own music selection? It's not that. I would just In terms sort of, of having Mark hear it or me hear it? Yeah, I would tailor it more towards what I knew you guys would accept. That's why you never heard any Rush or Van Halen <laughs> or Tragically Hip wow. or anything like that on any of, the, any of my mixtapes. When are you going to let that go? I'm still angry. <laughs> I never ever had a bad word to say about the hip and you know it. I hate you. <laughs> I guess that's one of those things that I, I valued your guys' opinions so much. And I was so worried about getting fried, you know, who knew? Yeah. We were going on a, on a road trip and sometimes we were driving 10, 11, 12 hours. And all I wanted to hear was, oh, hey, great tape. Not, oh my God, you're an idiot. What sure. is this garbage? You didn't write the music and you didn't play the music, but people judge you. By the choices that you make and the choices that you make by putting together this tape reflect on you and then you, you feel all. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the anxiety. Oh. 100%. That's the thing. You're putting yourself, you're literally putting yourself onto a tape and saying, here you go. Here, this is what I'm about. And that's a scary thing. I guess people are still making mixtapes. I guess in, in essence, I, listen, I, I use Spotify. And I make myself playlists, which are essentially... The same thing. You know, it's not on a tape. However, what's the difference? The audio quality. The audio quality is the difference. And there's a growing movement just once the CD dropped and seemed like it was going to quash the vinyl and cassette market. Um, and then somehow vinyl stuck around. Cassettes have kind of stuck around and they're coming into this weird resurgence where people like the soft tone and the i don't know the the hiss pleasing tape hiss that is always <laughs> present and and we didn't notice until it was gone i i think 
I remember taping stuff and it being fine. I, I loved the cassette tape. Mm-hmm. So did I. For me, there was no better way to take your music around with you in a car. Yeah. Because the issue with CDs was the skipping. Oh, man. If you didn't have a really, really good <laughs> stereo or player, then it would skip and it would oh. make you nuts. Mark's first car CD changer. So first of all, they mounted it by bolting it to the, the floor of the trunk. And it was on its side because yep. the skipping doesn't happen as much when the movement is lateral. It's really the up and down thing that causes a problem. So if it's if it's mounted, you know, the way it would be in your living room with the laser pointing up or whatever, I, it's a whole thing. But the thing was mounted in the trunk of his car in a way that was supposed to minimize the, the skippability of it. But it didn't matter. I mean, every time we hit a bump, every time there was a curve that you had to, whether you're driving into a, a driveway or into a mall parking lot or anything where there was the slightest bit of jostling train tracks, anything, it didn't make any sort of a difference, any jostling, and you were going to hear this weird skipping or something wrong was going to happen. And it wasn't until a few years later when they decided or someone realized, well, if we put a tiny amount of memory into a CD player. That's how they got around it ultimately, right? Ah, uh, okay. So they put a tiny bit of lead memory. So there's a little bit of there was a little bit of RAM in later CD players so that there was a 6 second or an 8 second memory. So Brilliant. you could they used to do it on and the reason I know this is stumbling across the Home Shopping Network. And they would have these portable CD players that were designed so that you could open the lid while the thing was running. So they just made some little modifications. You could open the lid. And so they would put their finger on the CD and stop it moving. And the music continues to play because there's a buffer. There's six seconds worth of buffer memory or eight seconds worth of buffer memory or something like that. And so that's how they got around the skipping. So did not know that. CDs never stop skipping. They were still skipping to bejesus. Like it, it was skipped to my loo all the time but <laughs> the problem you know the the fix was that you didn't notice it because this memory was correcting for all that and, and it had six or eight seconds and it it could buffer that without any real problem yeah cool i had no idea i was wondering because i had a my first in-car cd experience was with a disc man that i had bought which was the stupidest thing in the world just like wayne campbell strapped to the hood or strapped to the dashboard <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly. Except that I had the uh, the cassette tape that went in the cassette player with the cable. Oh, of that went course. To the disc yeah, the, the, it was just a weird little interface that looked like a cassette tape. But you couldn't listen to it while you were driving because it just skipped oh, and skipped okay. and, skipped and, and, skipped, and skipped. skipped. I mean, it was the most useless, stupid thing ever. I ended up just um, <laughs> taking it in the house and attaching it to a, a small stereo so I could listen to it that way. But driving, forget about it. If you had an older house, you could, if you walked too heavily past a CD player yes. in your den, you could make skip. it skip just by walking past it. That's how crap yeah. they were. You're talking about vinyl. Years and years ago, uh, my my brother's old house, our next door neighbor, his brother showed up one day in this old car from the 40s. Doesn't it have a record player oh. in, the, in the glove box? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody just did that. There's a car that was just released, and I don't know if it was a Bentley or something, okay, or an Infinity, something like that. But anyway, they put a they put a record player in the glove box. Nice. Don't ask me why. I 
no idea. To me, that is not the, the way I want to listen to music while I'm driving. Well, especially because as good a, a stereo as you might have, it's never going to be an optimal or an ideal place to listen to music. It just isn't. No. Well, maybe in a Bentley yeah. where there's almost no noise outside of the car to yeah. correct for, where it's just a silent, sound-dampened yeah, interior because, you know. But a vinyl record in a car? It doesn't yeah. even make sense. Unless yeah. they found a way to not have it skip. Maybe it's really not for when you're driving. Maybe it's for when you're yeah. um, parked or sitting at the drive-thru at McDonald's. As Bentley drivers, I'm sure. At ben go. Bentley drivers, like to, they like to go to Timmy's and sit in the parking lot and, and hard park. <laughs> yeah. call it. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I think the cassette really lent itself to the car. And most of my music listening happened in the car. Oh, me too. So having a cassette tape was amazing. Did your LeBaron, your LeBaron didn't have a cassette, did it? All radio, baby. All radio, I remember now. Yeah, because we drove it out to Lake Placid or something. Stupid with a thing. With a boombox. So we could listen to our Is that music. What? That's what we did. Yeah. So we Amazing. had a battery powered uh, boombox so we could play cassettes. Yeah. So good. Smart. And now you just bring I know the, the last ski trip I went on with a friend of mine, we we took my Jetta and all I have in the Jetta is a cassette player and a CD player. And the CD player doesn't work very well. So we just brought phones and, and brought a little Bose sound thing and uh, put it up on the dash. And it was amazing. Yeah. So I don't even know if stereos are necessary in cars anymore. When you can do stuff like that, what the hell? Why not? The van has one of those, um, has Apple CarPlay. Yes. And that's a great little system because it's got a screen. It's a touch screen. Yeah. It shows you visually sort of, you can sort of scroll your way through your albums and so the mixtape, I guess, in, in another way, lives on. Yeah. I mean, when we first started talking about doing this podcast and, and using Play Me Tape, I think we had originally sort of talked about maybe doing that sort of thing, is putting together a collection of songs instead of just one song at a time. And so that's kind of where I wanted to go this week. Right. Was to talk about my mixtape. And the way I wanted to set it up was if I was meeting somebody for the first time and it was determined that the only way I could communicate to them was through a mixtape. So I had to put the music that I liked onto a tape and hand it to this person and this person could judge me based on this. So you're saying that your this mix list yes. is the Sassy Magazine rating, yes. rating of yes. I, I am it, it is me. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Good call. See, our, our listeners are rewarded for coming back and listening again to new episodes. <laughs> There's continuity here, people. Sure. Absolutely. So I wanted to, to, to kind of go through this list of songs and, you know, we can talk about each song. You can tell me what you think and see if it does fit. I mean, you know me better than most and see if this all makes sense. I think it, it does 100%, but we'll see. Okay. So are you ready? I am ready. All right, here we go. So again, this is no no words, no nothing, no verbal introduction. It's just the way we have to communicate is through a mixtape. I'm with you. Number one song, guess what it is? It's going to be a Gordon Lightfoot or a hip song. No. Or a Rush it's song. It. Or a Rush song. It's Subdivisions by Rush. <laughs> That's my favorite song of all time. Yeah. So the, the mixtape has to start with that. If any of the listeners heard episode one, 
clearly it's where we I started that song yeah it's, it's where, where we, started. we started yeah it's still i still listen to it on a regular basis and if i'm going to start a, a mixtape then that's what it's going to begin with yeah absolutely and it's from the era of the cassette yeah right that, yeah that album was released in 1982 so it sort of fits in that way and yeah it defines me as a person and so does the second song uh, we Kings by the Tragically Hip, mm-hmm. which is almost an odd choice. It's really hard for me to go through hip songs and pick a favorite because there's so many that I like. I know you have no idea what that's about. But, How dare you? Uh, here's where I'm going to stop you. Okay. Here's where we're going to pause briefly. Sure. So in a cassette deck, the pause button would have a meaty chunk. Ka-chunk. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pausing with a chunk. Ka-chunk. Um, Subdivisions is you. I can see yes. that. Uh, I, lyrically, synthy. <laughs> you know, everything about it. Plus, I mean, we talked and talked about the video. How does Wheat Kings, other than it being an awesome song, how does Wheat Kings in any way reflect you as a person? Do you feel that it does? Not in the sense that it's it's a song about David Milgard. Yeah, the the man who was wrongly convicted and spent 18 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. No, quite clearly that doesn't in <laughs> no. any way reflect me. <laughs> no. but, but I just, I, I wanted, I was curious as to how it relates to you. I'm not, yeah. I, I didn't think you have some sort of a complex. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a valid question for complex. sure. I love that story. And I've mentioned before how much I love the way Gord Downey tells stories, mm-hmm. ca- Canadian stories. And that song is incredible. It's not a it's not a happy song. No. But what it is, it's it's almost like if you took if you took the hip and you took Canada and you took us growing up and watching the CBC and you know put it all in a small little box and and kind of squished it all together. Mm-hmm. It's Canada to me. It's the hip to me, and it's it's one of their. I think it's their best song. Well, I mean, the story that comes out of it is, man, I mean, I guess it's positive. I guess it's optimistic because of what they were able to overturn. They were able to have him released and they played a a small part in that. But man, it's just, it's a, it's a big black eye. It is. It is. And, and I, I kind of like the fact that the hip have gone after things like that. Mm -hmm. They haven't shied away from it. Right. It, it's our history, and it tells a story that is not complementary to our justice system, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I like that they've brought that into the light and and done such a beautiful song around it. That song is phenomenal, and every time I hear it, every time I hear the beginning of it with, with the loons. The loon call, yeah. It, incredible. So, no, that song doesn't relate to me in its story. But the fact that it tells a story, a Canadian story, I consider myself very, very patriotic. I love Canada. Love it, love it, love it. And I love the fact that the hip, I've said this many times before, they are our band. Their success is not measured by their success in other countries. They're us and we're them. And this is just kind of the hip all in one, in one song. Storytelling, beautifully played. Canadiana. Yeah, just pure Canadiana. And that's what I love about it. And that's why I think if somebody hears that and they're like, uh, does, 
you know, has he been wrongly convicted? No. Mm-hmm. You you can it's also very easy to mistake the lyrics for something else. I mean, the imagery is beautiful in that song. It is. Yeah, it really is. And it, there, there's a lot of beauty in that song. There's a lot of you know, just real thoughtfulness in those lyrics. Uh, the way he describes and he's talking about prison. He's talking about lockup. And the, but the way he describes it in the paint and in the portraits on the walls of yes. our parents, prime ministers, it's beautiful. It's really, really great wordplay. It is beautifully written song. That's the hip. That's the hip condensed for me, all in that song. And the fact that they're my second favorite band of all time points to why it would be the second song on my mixtape. It's important to me, and it would be important to me for somebody that didn't know me to hear that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it's a it's an odd one, but but it's a good one, as you know. Uh, moving on, this is one that I know you keep waiting for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it hasn't come up yet in an episode, but it's the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah, why, how, where, do, where does this fit in? Why, right? Yeah, does all this those. make sense? It really doesn't. Maybe, but I'm. I could theorize in my own way, but I'm. I'm. I'm really looking forward to hearing your take on the why. As a kid, there used to be a TV show called The Cucumber Club. Right. Yeah. Of course. Do you remember that show? Uh, John Candy guested on it, so of course right. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Every now and then they would do like a musical thing, where they would play a song and they would play a video along with it. And one day. They just so happened to play the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Why? Why would they do that to the children? <laughs> Who knows? No idea. As a young kid, I didn't know what it was about. I wasn't paying much attention to it, what they were singing about. But they were showing the imagery of the of the ship on the water just stuck with me. And I didn't. I don't know how many episodes of the Cucumber Club they did, but I don't think it was that many. Oh, that's a good question. It was. It was local. It was provincial television. It was TV Ontario, I believe. So yeah, it was, it was TV it was Ontario public television. Yeah, and it was a, a the provincial channel. I'm not saying that very well, but it was the provincial channel public television. And from what I remember, yeah, it was. I, I God, that's a really good question. How many episodes of that were there? It seems like it was on for years, but I it was, oof, but it I was in repeat. It was rerun. Yeah, yeah, it was all repeats, and I would make such an effort to make sure that I caught that show in case they played that song because wow. where else would I hear it? Wow. Yeah. I, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know where it came from. I don't know who would have had it at that age. I had no idea, but man, did I love it. And I still love it to this day. It is one of my favorite songs of all time. And I don't know why I have such a connection to it, but I do. I hear that song, dude, I have, cried to that song more times than I can I can remember. I don't know why. I mean, it's a really sad song. You can hear it in the voice. Yeah. You can hear it. Oh, the story. In Jesus. the guitar. It's evident in the guitar work. I think it is. Yeah, it is. But why would a sad song appeal to Tiny Darren? <laughs> like, wait, that's the part that's fascinating to me. And that's the part I can't answer because I don't know. Do you have any... Any part of your family that you're aware of that were seafaring folk? Well, my father came from the Netherlands and my grandfather was a sailor. Okay. Do you think that has any any place there? Do you think it has to do with the 
the sea, the call of the sea and the sea shanty. We have talked many times about the sea shanty and its power over you. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because there's another, there's a couple of other songs. Nautical Disaster by mm-hmm. The Tragically Hip is another one that I absolutely go nuts for. And The Down Easter Alexa by Billy Joel is another one that is just, just hits me. And I don't know why. It's not that I want to be a sailor. I mean, I like boats and all, but. <laughs> Do you think um, some part of you, though, was supposed to have been a sailor? I don't know. Do you think in some Maybe. other universe somewhere, there's a you that's Sailor Darren? I don't know. Longshoreman Darren? (laughs) Maybe something like that. I don't know. (laughs) It's one of those things that, yes, I could probably say, okay, were there sailors in the family? Sure. You know, did I grow up? My father loved boating. There's no doubt his dream was always to own a sailboat. He never did. But we had a powerboat at one point for a short period of time. And he loved going out in the boat. I used to take it out every now and then. I love the water. I love being on the water. I love being near the water. But why I would be drawn so much to a song by Gordon Lightfoot about Do you think if there was a draft, you would have angled to be in the Navy versus any other service? (laughs) No, I think I would have gone for the Air Force. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I love airplanes too. Mm. So I don't know. That's a tough one. I've never, ever really been able to put my finger on why I love that song so much, but it gets me every single time. So tell me this. How has the song changed? We've often talked about an understanding of the meaning of the song changing your reaction to the song. How did your reaction to the song change when you learned what it was about? Oh, made me sad. <laughs> Holy. Well, I kind of figured. <laughs> Man, did it make me sad. Thanks, Captain Obvious. I still loved it. It became so much more powerful. Yeah. Gave it, when I started gave it to death. truly understand. Yeah. And you're right. I'm, I keep thinking of that guitar sound in my head. Mm-hmm. And just how incredibly well done that sound is. It's very distinctive. It's pedal steel. It's a pedal steel guitar. So ah, it's, a, okay. it's a guitar that is not usually associated necessarily with folk music. And it, I don't think it was anything that Gord himself tended to um, lean on in his songs. It's a very distinctive sound. It's a distinctive sounding guitar. And it's usually, sure I mean, it's most commonly associated with country music, right? Yeah, exactly. It's very often used for country. But it does not sound in any way country in this It setting. doesn't. It doesn't. And it sounds nautical. Yeah. It's, it's almost eerie. You can almost see the fog when you hear that guitar sound. Amazing. When they talk about the bell chiming for the, the dead sailors, mm-hmm. it's just incredible. It's incredible. You know what surprises me about this song? So first of all, how, how often, and I sh- we should probably ask you this uh, of all the songs on your, on your list. If you had to guess, how often do you think you come back to this song and listen to it? Weekly, monthly, every so often, once in a blue moon? Like how, is this one of those ones that you go through periods where you're playing it daily? Yeah, yeah. Not daily, weekly. Okay. Weekly, yeah. And then there's times where I stay away from it because it's... It's a lot. It's it's sad. It's a lot. And it affects me the same way almost every single time. And uh, One of the most incredible things, though, that's happened recently is that there's a specific feeling I get with this song that I just connect with it. Mm-hmm. That has now been equaled by the commander thinks aloud by the long winters. Okay. Yeah. I know how much you've taken to that song. I know how much it's had an impact. Yeah. So that that's kind of my new wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Hey, you want to move on to something happier? Uh, no, I don't. 
No, seriously, I don't. Because I wanted to talk. I just wanted to say one thing. And it's your song. Yep. And yeah, it's your song. But at the same time, it's not a song that ever had a huge, deep impact for me. I, I don't know why. And the other thing that's funny about this song is, as you say, you know, you're fiercely patriotic. Gordon Lightfoot, Canadian. Yep. Huge hit in Canada. The Edmund Fitzgerald was not a Canadian ship. This is not a Canadian disaster. You're right. Yeah. It wasn't. That's neither here nor there. I'm not making a point or anything. This isn't a gotcha moment. Ha ha. <laughs> hey, <laughs> You're Jeremy, not, it's not as Canadian. Canadian as you say. <laughs> <laughs> Liar. No, but it's just, it's really interesting because it, it hooks you. But tragedy is universal. Tragedy is not patriotic. Yeah. Tragedy is tragedy. It's human life that we see. Yeah. But the, the reason that I, I, I didn't want to move on just yet is because when I look through the lyrics and this isn't the first time I've looked through the lyrics of this song, like I say, this isn't, this isn't a song that really struck home for me. It's a song that I'm aware of. How can you not be aware of it? If you're Canadian, you hear this song. It's, it just is that simply is. But when you actually read through the lyrics, the one line that is just man, jaw dropping for me is does anyone know where the love of Ooh. God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? Yeah. I, it's, poof. Yeah. Such <laughs> a powerful way to express that. Yeah. And it, it, that's, it's two lines. And everybody knows exactly what that means. Whether you've been on a ship where the waves are washing over or not, it's that slow down of time when the adrenaline rush hits and you're suddenly caught in a situation you just don't want to be in and it's so beautifully expressed yeah it just it's so beautifully expressed yeah i'm glad you pointed that that line out yeah it it always gets me every time i hear that yeah amazing 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 lyric definitely and it's one of the reasons why that song hits me so hard Mm-hmm. It, it's that truth in the song that, you know, you know, the end, you know what happened, mm-hmm. but it still hurts like hell to hear Well, it's it. there in the title. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they going in. Yeah. You know, going in, you're going to get a, a gut punch. No one thought that at the end of Titanic that. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's going to be fine. Yeah, everybody's good. I'm really glad you pointed that line out. That's a good one. Do you notice a theme here with my mixtape? Talking about Canadian and fiercely patriotic. Yeah. Uh, well. And and so far, sad. Johnny Downer. I guess it is, yeah. Subdivision? Not a feel-good hit. No. no. Weed Kings? Not a feel-good hit. No. The Wreck? oof Yeah. Tell me you got something in here. Tell me you got something on this mixtape that's a little more upbeat. <laughs> well... How about a song that they tell you to sing while you're giving somebody CPR? Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. Right. Just the exact right tempo. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know I love the Bee Gees. Oh, yeah. How do you not love the Bee Gees? Well, a lot of people don't love the Bee Gees. A lot of people don't love the Bee Gees. <laughs> a lot of people see that disco, see disco as a problem. I'm not one of those people. I'm not one of those people either. I mean, the, the singing style of the Bee Gees mm-hmm. is is pretty incredible. That high falsetto. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that can push a lot of people away. I love it. It's so over the top. I love it. Barry Gibbs sings in that high falsetto. Do the brothers match him in that? Do you know? I don't even know. Are they harmonizing and are they all harmonizing up in the upper register? 
I think they're in the upper register. I don't necessarily think that they're full, full on falsetto. Right. But I don't know. That's actually a great question. I, I don't know. Do you have the album Staying Alive? Or sorry, I'm sorry, the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Do you have the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack? No. Really? I don't. You've, I'm sure, heard it. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Although, I'll be honest, I don't know that I could name another song off of it. I'm sure if you mentioned them to me, I would know them. Oh, yeah. They'd all come rushing back. But I remember seeing that movie and thinking that was a really good movie. It's a great movie. It's a dark yeah. movie. It's a dark movie. Yeah, Some a good one. <laughs> it's not the fun disco movie that a lot of people have it in their yeah. rosy memory of it. Well, the song "Staying Alive" it's about New York City in the in the seventies. Sure. And what a hellhole it was because it was a hellhole. It was yeah. It's bankrupt and dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bad place. Yeah. So yeah, did I go upbeat? Maybe not. <laughs> no, it's it's a dance song. It's it an is upbeat a dance, dance song. song. Yeah. And I think based strictly on the lyrics that I can remember off the top of my head. It's a song about persevering in the face of adversity. It's a good, you know, it's a, it's a good message. It's not yeah. a negative message at all. And if it is about sa- staying alive in a dirty, corrupt and bankrupt city, then the lyrics don't get bogged down in that. It really is about walking and strutting and yeah, showing off who you are and not being, not being brought down by the weight of the world. Yeah, you can tell by the way I walk. I'm a woman's man. No time to talk. Exactly. It's a fun song. And it could have easily have been uh, Night Fever. Oh, because I love that song. The funny thing is, I would say, oh, yeah, I'm a fan of the Bee Gees, but maybe four or five songs yeah. would be in my rotation, and that's about it. Yeah. And I'm sure they have way more great stuff. It's just, I just stick to the, the classics, and that's it. I remember you having a coffee table book about the Bee Gees. Yes. It was just spectacular. Stupendous. It was. Stupendously spectacular. I always, at first, I kind of thought that you owned it ironically. And then at some point it, it became clear that, no, no, he really likes the Bee Gees and that was totally cool. That I mean, <laughs> you know, on the one hand, the, the picture of them posed in the cheesiest possible pose in the satin jackets and pants. Okay. <laughs> you know, you're not blind. <laughs> So you saw it, but at the same time, you genuinely, legitimately liked the Bee Gees and you were happy with that. You, I mean, and, and what's not to like Uh, the only album of theirs that I have, which isn't even strictly their album is that soundtrack, but it's an incredible album. It's an incredible movie. And uh, yeah, I love it. That whole seventies era fascinates me. Oh yeah. You know, when you talk about the cover of that book and just what they're wearing and how they look and, you know, I think they're almost posed like Charlie's Angels. <laughs> that is the vibe it gives off, yeah. Yeah. and Or like uh, superheroes, frankly. Y- yeah. And I, I just love that era. Do you remember, you, you may or may not remember this. It's so fun. They were handpicked to star in a movie. Uh, okay. where, am I, where am I going with this? You're not. Yeah. You're not. No, you're, no. Yeah. <laughs> Starring in Sgt. Pepper's Lonely oh, Hearts Club stop. Band. Oh, with Peter Frampton? With Peter Frampton as Billy Shears. Man. We rented it once. I know we did. We tried. It was horrible. We tried. We tried. You've tried since, haven't you? Yeah, I've tried. And? No. Couldn't do it. It's... It's unwatchable. I, there's either zero dialogue. There's almost no spoken dialogue. I think everything in it is sung. 
it's tough. And the problem is just for lack of a better way to express this, it's boring. It's dead boring. Yes. Yeah. It's I remember it's being tough to boring. get through. And I wanted to like it. I really did. Cheesy 70s excess starring the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton. Yes, please. Where do I sign? <laughs> Steve <laughs> no Martin is in it. Are you kidding? Yes. Where do I, where do I go for this? I think we were really excited. We were super excited and we got about 15 or 20. We did not get far into it. We got 15, no. maybe 20 minutes into it and we had the highest high hopes and they were dashed. And it, it's not, the, the sad thing was it wasn't a colossal train wreck. It just was boring. Yeah. It just got boring fast. Did we smoke pot before we watched that? <laughs> no. No? no, I don't. Were we drinking think, homebrew? No, it was, dude. It, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was in the afternoon one Saturday. I Stop don't even, it. like. We weren't drinking beer. We just we really wanted to see it. Wow. I don't Yikes. think we can't blame it on alcohol or any illicit substances. <laughs> it, we just we sat down fairly straight to watch this thing late in the afternoon, and it just bored us away. Yeah, I had that thing. That was. I mean, we're we're looking back in blockbuster video rental heyday. I had that thing for however long the rental was for, two days, whatever it was. I had every opportunity to try and watch it again, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I just eventually returned it when the, the deadline was up, and I didn't have any regrets about not seeing it. A lot of times, <laughs> I used to sort of fight my way through some movies if I felt, I, well, I've rented this. I really should watch it, or maybe it'll get better. I really didn't give up on a lot of movies. I was, I was furious that day when we had rented Black Belt Jones. Yes. And certain people in the, in the group wanted to bail on it. And I said, why? <laughs> when are we going to get a chance to watch Black Belt Jones again? Yeah. It's a great movie, but no. Apparently the crowd was not favorable towards the Black Belt Jones. We watched Barn of the Naked Dead instead. We got all the way through that movie. <laughs> I just Sadly. like to point that out. And there was no nakedness in that movie. So There was none. none. We were lied to right in the title. Yeah. 100%. But we made it through that movie and we couldn't make it through yeah. Sgt. Pepper's. Yeah. Incredible. Most movies we rented, we, we went, there were a couple of summers where you and I rented, spent every weekend renting the worst, cheesiest, whatever. Sometimes they were gory. Sometimes they were just weird. But the worst B movies we could find in a hole in the wall video store that had a weird selection. We went through movie after movie. And if it was really bad, we could at least make fun of it. And yeah. we could at least get through it to the, the, the end. Even if by the end of it, we weren't paying close, super close attention. Most of the time we could get through it. And we did so by making fun of the ridiculousness or whatever. This yes. we just couldn't get through because it, it, it wasn't doing anything ridiculous. It was just dull. It was just dull. They were plotting takes on the Sgt. Pepper songs. And it, none of it was compelling or interesting or fun or at least entertainingly bad none of it was entertainingly bad that i remember no. maybe if i saw it again i i'd have a different view on that but oof. i don't think so sad I, I think boring is boring on that note <laughs> no it's good i i'm glad you brought that up yeah the poor bg's being involved in that and peter frampton it did it didn't help them that movie was a, a total disaster it wasn't yeah. just us no, <laughs> I don't imagine it was just us. There was a, a magazine article that chronicled the worst the worst movies of all time. I think it was it was an unlikely place, maybe Maxim magazine back in the early days of Maxim magazine. And their number one pick was this movie. 
and it was a pic of Frampton and the Bee Gees in costume, and the caption under it was, We'll get you for this, Australia. (laughs) Nice. Amazing. All right, I'm going to move along. Go ahead. Another Canadian band. And another synthy, super synthy song. Nova Heart by the Spoons. Mm -hmm. Hamilton. The Hammer. Synth, baby. This is as synthy as it gets. This is the synthiest synth that ever synthed. It's a good song. It's a great song. And I don't think it's a happy song. God damn it. It kind of is. Do you know what it's about? (laughs) You know, that's the funny thing is I have gone and looked and I really couldn't find a true, the true meaning of it. Apparently the the lead singer went to a, oh, I can't even remember the band he went to see. Some new wave band and he came home and he wrote the, he wrote the keyboard part of this song and threw a bunch of, of words together and it was born and they really didn't think much of it. They didn't mm-hmm. think it was going to go anywhere. It was, and it's their biggest song. Do you know what it's about? Sort of. I mean, you can look at the the lyrics for the first two verses. Now, I think I read the same interview that that you read where he talks about Arthur C. Clarke's childhood end, childhood's end, which is what he was reading at the time. And he also talked about Nova being, you know, an exploding star or sun. Yes. Which is not what a Nova is. <laughs> I mean, not really. I, he's talking about a supernova. Supernova, yeah. He's talking about a type of supernova specifically. But yeah, that's neither here nor there. I mean, I, I don't know if it's supposed to be about that kind of a, cla- a cataclysm. But if you look at the first two verses, he's talking about architects and he's talking about the city. And then he's talking about the great works of art, the, the great works of artists and what they could accomplish. So he's looking at architecture and he's looking at art. And he's basically saying these things that were created, we're standing on, what he's saying is we're standing on the shoulders of giants. They've come along, they've created these great things. They've created this world for us to live in. Now we have to live in it and we have to keep building on that. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? It does. It's kind of optimistic, but it's sort of that pressure of being the next generation to come along and keep moving, you know, social progress further to keep building on art and to keep creating new things and to keep everything moving forward in a way that, you know, drags humanity up and into the light. That was always, that's my take on it because, God, I hadn't heard the song in years and I remember loving the song. And I listened to it again when you gave me the list and I loved it again. It's really great. And it's funny about the, the keyboardist of the band saying, I would have never written this. Why would you have never written this? It's far too simple. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a three note melody. He's, you know, he would have used chords and skill, you know, and, and the lead singer is a guitarist. And so he, when he sat down with a, a really simple whatever to write this, he's just tapping out the keys creating this super, super simple melody. And it's simple, but it works. It works really well. It sure does. Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as the meaning of it, I never cared all that much because it's just so synthy. It's so beside the point because the music works so well. It feels like a love song. It absolutely feels like a love song. I agree. And again, I think we read the same interview and you get to the end of that interview and he's like, I don't want to dispel the myth. If you, if in your heart, if you, if you hear that as a love song and you want it to be about that, have at it, you know, it's it's as much a love song as anything else. You know, they played our old high school, right? I actually did not know that. I'm not surprised by that. Not while we were there though. No, no, God, no. 
I'm not sure our high school was host to any live bands while we were there. Uh, Lumpy Gravy. Hello. <laughs> I, 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 that, you just said some words that I don't know what they refer to. <laughs> that was a band that used to play it. No, I don't think they were. I don't think that was a band. I think you're making that up. Bryce something. Oh, Bryce. you mean like a student band? Oh. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. Well, it was still a band. That was their Are name? You, yeah, you mean like a real band? Yeah, I meant no. like a real band that we. No. I, I mean, I remember Jared Spice and his band. Jared Spice played guitar, and he played in another student band, and they were called Fan Belt Kitty. Oh, good name! And then there was that dude. God, what was his name? I can't believe I can't remember his name. The Choice Brothers, the the funk band, the gospel funk band, the Choice Brothers. Who was that guy? What was that guy's name? Right. Played right. bass. It's a really nice yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't was remember that. His name. Uh... Oh, yeah, I don't remember either. <laughs> we're old. Damn it. Yeah, we're old. We're forgetting stuff. I think Rush might have played Turner. Yeah, supposedly, and that was years before we got there, yeah. Yeah. They were a huge sensation by the time we got to high school. Damn International it. sensation. So, yeah, Spoons, Nova Heart, dude, brilliant song. Incredible. It's uh, ultra synthy, so it, it tells the story of what I truly love in music. I did, did you own that album? Canada and Synth. No. I remember, I didn't own it. I remember somebody having it and listening to it through a couple of times. And it, it's a good album. I believe it. I believe it. I think they were, I think they were a solid band. Anybody that plays synth like that, you got to love. Next song. You okay if we move on? Yeah. Summer Nights by Van Halen. Okay, this one's interesting. And it's, it's all about the guitar intro. Mm-hmm. I love it and i will play that guitar intro over and over and over again i can see that but it also takes me back to summer nights summer nights yeah. when this song was huge on the q107 top 10 at 10 and it was just and it was a, obviously a summer song and it just kind of gives that vibe of of a an, you know an 80s summer night and just kind of fun hanging with your friends listening to music checking out girls it's just fun stuff this was from 5150 this was yeah sammy's first album with the band yeah so i never owned a copy of 5150 didn't know the song don't have a copy of the song went to youtube li listened to it did not care for that <laughs> but wait <laughs> but wait do you know what really made it interesting to me do you know what, what really took me back and made me listen to it again no i looked it up and I thought, wait a second. And then I was really fascinated by it. And it's it's never going to be my favorite. It's not a song that I love. But reading what I read about it, and I just, I, I read a paragraph. It was a blurb, a brief blurb about it. And I thought, wow, Sammy was quoted as saying, and I don't have the quote in front of me, so I'm going to paraphrase. Sammy was quoted as saying that this was the first song he came in and recorded with them as a band in the studio. This was it. This is the launch mm -hmm. song. This song was the launch pad for him with the band. Yep. They didn't have anything written. So this was a jam session. Now, I don't think it was recorded as such. I, I, I don't think what you're listening to is this no. song in its infancy. I, I'm sure it was, yeah. it came out of these sessions. But what happened was Eddie starts toying with the guitar licks and he basically got that opening guitar solo down sort of just right there on the spot. And then Sammy comes in with the lyrics and the opening line is something about, uh, you know, summer nights with my radio. That might yep. be the actual line. I'm not positive. Yep. And then he, he, he just, that came 
in off the top of his head and it was the first thing he saw thought of because that was where what the the guitar intro made him think of that's exactly where it sent his head and so right that's what he said that's what he sang and what he started to do was simply improvise lyrics and the reason that they knew that it was going to work out with them as a band is <laughs> that dave couldn't do any of that yeah standing at a mic and just improvise and going along with the groove that the band had created and riffing and playing back and forth with the guitar and with the vocals hitting it and he was calling it he he referred to it as scatting but it, it just was improvising it's just him improvising lyrics on the spot and he whether it was just him taking an opportunity to trash dave <laughs> yeah dave wasn't I'm around sure that existed too yeah. but he said that it was something that dave simply wasn't really capable of doing he, he just did not have that muscle to flex for lack of a better way to describe it yeah and that to me i I thought, really? And then I went back and listened to it again, and I liked it a lot more. I It just, that improvisational tone kind of came through on the re-listen, and I, I really like it. You're right. The strength is of that song is in that opening guitar burst. Yeah. And Sammy's voice is great, and the, the opening line and the guitar make it. But overall, to me, it, it doesn't, it, it, I, there's no nostalgia for that song for me. I didn't know the band that well at that right, time. I yeah. knew only their radio hits. Yep. I didn't know this song. I wasn't listening to Q. So I don't have nostalgia here. And I didn't know the song. It just was, I was walking into it brand new. I love it. I know Eddie was also playing some crazy guitar at the time, some crazy modern thing that doesn't have like a tuning head on it or whatever. Okay. I can't remember the name of the guitar, but we've actually discussed it before. We've oh, had yeah, a conversation it's, about it. It's a it. tunable guitar. It just, the, right. It's not right. in the, it's not in the head. It's, it's on right. the bass. Yeah, exactly. Really, really cool sound. It's the same brand of guitar that Rufus gives Bill and Ted at the end of Bill and Ted's Excellent mm-hmm. Adventure. It's the same same brand. I can't yes. remember them for the life of me. It's this, the they were they were meant for touring road musicians because they were they traveled really well. I can't remember the name of it, but what a sound! Yeah, that's going to drive us both crazy. I'm sure. Yep, <laughs> we'll Google it as soon as this episode is over. Yep, we'll Google it. Definitely. On to the next. It takes two by Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. Yeah, I love this song because it's one of the first rap songs I ever memorized. And I love that whole, it takes two. What would you call that? A chorus? Yeah, that's a chorus for sure. And sort of the sound that went along with it. Again, super nostalgic for this song. It's kind of an, this is an early, early rap song. And I loved it. I liked rap music. I mean, it's funny to go from Nova Heart by The Spoons to it, to Summer Nights by Van Halen to It Takes Two by by Rob Bass. It's the broad spectrum of music that I loved. What stands out for you? That song? Yeah, we've touched on something in the past about rap (laughs) as it pertained to the Beastie Boys. And I never noticed it until I looked at the lyrics of this song. What's the song about? You memorize the lyrics. What's the song about? (laughs) Well, it's, it's, I think it's more of a a love song and that it's, it takes two to make a thing are you mental? <laughs> the The chorus is that. The rest of the song is exactly like a Beastie Boys song. Yes. I am great at rapping. Yes. You are yes. not great at rapping. That's I am better than song. you at rapping. You are but less still, good than me at rapping. But ultimately, it's a love song. I love it. And I loved it then. And it was a huge hit when we were in high school. And sure it was. was infectious and amazing. And it was, you weren't the only one for whom this was sort of an early rap song where they met, they, 
I don't think I ever memorized the whole thing, but I think I tried and I think a lot of people tried and I, I, I think my wife still probably has it memorized, but <laughs> it just, yeah, it was, it was one of those songs that just was a touchstone for anybody in our generation that happened to be in high school at that point. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. I just, I just love it. It's such a fun song and it's such a fun song to sing along to. He's got a great voice. To. He does. He launches in hard voice. with the, I want to rock right now. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just, it's man. Yeah. I, yeah it, it's, it's a, everything works. Everything, every element of this song works together. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's one of those, it's an early rap song, right? So it, it has all the, the right elements of an early rap song. And like you say, you know, it's, I'm Rob Bass and I came to get down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to rock the microphone. It's that kind of stuff. What, it's what that, bothers me? The, what bothers me about this song? What bothers you? The fact that there's a line that bothers me about the, in this song. Oh, I don't know. I stand alone. Don't need anyone. Need anyone. You're in a duo. <laughs> <laughs> You're part of a duo. You need DJ Easy Rock, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never ever put that together, but that's amazing. I'm really not upset with Rob Bass. Uh, no, you better it's, not be. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a great song. It's a, it's a good one. Next is Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue. This is got to be a no-brainer. Yeah. See, I look at this like this is a car song for me. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not truly a car song, it's a car song in, in my eyes. I know it's about, it's about Nikki Six dying and being revived. Well, that's arguably the impetus for the writing of the song, but it, yeah. the lyrics explicitly are about his adrenaline junkie lifestyle and yeah drugs don't enter into the lyrics cars do skydiving does yep getting on stage or being in a rage or whatever he rhymes towards the end i mean it's really just about living life on the edge and living life to the fullest and and having everything be about fun and the high that adrenaline gives him yeah that's why i love it one of the lines in it talks about top fuel funny cars and that was the hook for me when i first heard it sure and the video do you remember the video yeah yeah it's all race footage <laughs> it's all race stuff yeah it's crashes I mean, and stuff if i'm gonna if you're gonna sing to me in a song start singing about top fuel funny cars and and uh i'm in 100 percent. and it's such a high energy song yeah and you know, heavy guitar heavy drums I didn't know anything about the song. I didn't like Motley Crue at the time. I didn't Damn care you. anything about any of this stuff. But if you don't think that, whoa, yeah, is infectious, then Oof. let me tell you, that that was a grabber. Yeah, still is. They still That song is still in regular rotation on rock radio. Yeah. And, and it, and it deserves it, to be. It's a little jarring at six in the morning, though, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. You know, they'll come out of whatever song. All I can think of is they play a lot of uh, Once in a Lifetime. Oh, yeah. Talking, Talking heads. heads, yeah. And then they go into Kickstart My Heart. <laughs> it's kind of a punch in the face. Bit of a tonal shift. And and your foot goes down more on the accelerator Yeah, when you hear it. So it's one of those songs. Yeah, I love this song. So Which is, which is funny because there's almost this concerted effort to, to not play the super aggressive, super high energy songs earlier in the day radio stations yeah. do that you know this from experience yep yeah, would, would you sure. care to share that story uh about requesting a song yep and what song 
Uh, Power Trippin' by Monster Magnet. Okay, so you've got more than one story relating to that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the other one was, uh, well, what was the other one? I thought it was Crazy Mary by Pearl Jam or something. No, there was another one that I remember specifically because it came back to me the other night. You called to request Iggy Pop, Search and Destroy. Right. And that song is aggressive. Yeah. And that song is angry, very much like the Motley Crue song. And it's upbeat and it's fuzzy, crunchy guitars. And it is, yeah, it is fast and it is in your face. Well, I hadn't seen the movie in years, but a few nights back, I found myself watching the opening to Almost Famous. I found myself watching the, the opening to the movie Almost Famous. Philip Seymour Hoffman plays... John Perley Hoffman. John Perley Hoffman. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman plays cream rock critic lester bangs he's doing an interview on radio in a radio station what does he pull out and insist that the dj play a copy of that album he wants to hear search and destroy the dj tells him dude no it's a little early in the morning he's lester (laughs) bangs so he he basically forces the thing onto the turntable and it gets played but it was this it was the same thing it was i want we have to play this no 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 no. it's too early yeah (laughs) and it was the same song it's amazing nice. to me. Yeah, it happened to me again with uh, Power Trippin' by Monster Magnet. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of a song in the first thing in the morning. It sure is. It's a good one. It's it's uh, for a while there, um, when I really hated my job, I would pretty much listen to that every morning I went to work. Just to get you started? Just to get you primed for the rest of the day? Yeah, I mean, the main line in it is, uh, I'm never going to work another day in my life. Nice. Yeah, that was the dream. I don't know why the radio station wouldn't play it, but yeah, apparently it was too early in the morning to request that song. (laughs) So I think I actually replaced it with Crazy Mary by Pearl Jam. Nice. A little little more subdued. A little. All right, last song on my mixtape list is Tangerine by Led Zeppelin. Okay. This doesn't even sound like a Zeppelin tune to me. It almost sounds like a country song. Am I crazy for that? Well, it's an acoustic ballad, so no. I mean... to me, it's more folk. It's more yeah, of a okay. folk sort of a yeah. song. Got a, that sort of a feel to it. I mean, John Paul Jones butts, busts in with the mandolin on that. So, yeah, yeah it, it feels folkier than it feels country to me. But it is a airy, acoustic number. Yeah. Three minutes and eight seconds of effing brilliance is what that song is. Do you own Led Zeppelin three? No, I, I just, I use Mothership. Right. I don't have a copy of that album but it's my understanding that they got a a little bit of experimental into a little folkier sound on side two of of led zeppelin three we'll have to ask the hut man he'll know yeah yeah we will yeah it's a funny song i mean what does it mean to you (sighs) what's it about is it that he likes redheads i don't know (laughs) i honestly have no idea i just i love the guitar in it i love robert plant's voice in it it doesn't sound like Zeppelin to me, but it sounds totally like Zeppelin. Yeah. Like, it's it's such an odd song in that way. Plant didn't write the lyrics, so that's already weird. <laughs> Who did? Robert Johnson? Like no. everything else? Uh, no, it was, a, uh, it was a Page lyric. Jimmy Page wrote the lyrics. Although... There is some fighting, apparently, over who actually wrote the lyrics, whether it was Page writing it or whether he, he brought the lyrics with him from the Yardbirds. Oh, okay. So there's there was some battling over that. Not the first time that Zeppelin were engaged in legal battle over lyrics. Yeah. Although that song starts kind of acoustic, when the guitar comes in, when the electric guitar comes in, 
It's spectacular. Mm-hmm. It's truly spectacular. It's just, like I said, it's three minutes and eight seconds of effing brilliance from start to finish. Is it like a touchstone for you for some period or era of your life? No, I think this song is probably the one that is least telling about me and more about this song needs to cap off my mixtape because it's just so bloody good. Right. And it is in, it's in constant rotation for me. I listen to it all the time. Oh, is that right? Yeah. It's just one of those songs that picks me up, makes me feel good. I love to turn it up and it's, it's all about the guitar. It really is. Yeah. As far as it defining who I am, no. Other than to say that I like Zeppelin. Yeah. And I like Zeppelin a lot. And I just think that this song belongs on my mixtape to kind of cap it off just a little quickie at the end. I could have ended it at Kickstart My Heart. Sure. Very easily would have made sense. When you were learning guitar, is this a song? Can you play any of this song? Tangerine? Yeah. Is it difficult? Is it a complex I think it is. I think it's harder than than it looks. Right. I have sat down and looked at the, the guitar tab for it, and I think I got through like a couple of notes with it, but that was it. <laughs> it's daunting. Yeah, it was a little tougher, tougher than it sounds. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's that's coming from me. I'm useless at the guitar, so you play more than I do. So, <laughs> yeah. There's my mixtape. What do you think? Beauty. Does it tell my story? It is, I think, it's. it feels accurate to you. Yeah. Anyone that knows you is going to line up those songs. If Yeah, I think anyone that knows you is going to line up those songs and say, yeah, that's Darren. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's safe to say, sure. Do you think there's anything missing? Oh, there's lots missing. I don't think any of us are, I don't think any of us are one mixtape. No, no. But is there something that stands out to you that you would say... Hey man, you forgot this. Well, this makes me think of you. Yeah, dude, there's like a million songs like that because uh, we listen to so many albums. There's there's no Beasties on that. Yeah, and even though that's not in your rotation any longer, we talked about how you would kind of really set the Beastie Boys aside. That is so tied for me to the time that we lived together. Right. Yeah. We. I mean, that was the soundtrack of that house. Almost. We we listened yeah, no to kidding. a lot of Beastie Boys at that time. So it it stands out for me and my experience of you that it's not, there's not a Beastie Boys song in there, but at the same time, I mean, I'm, I'm looking, I'm, I'm an outsider looking in, so I'm never going to have your perspective. It's going to be my perspective on you. So the songs that I would think for you would be a slightly different list with some crossover. I would have picked kickstart my heart for you. I would have put, wreck of the edmund fitzgerald on there i would have put a hip song on there i would have put a rush song on there you know what i mean so so all of that is i mean you know seal it it's done i i probably would have even put subdivisions on if i if i'd really sat down to think about it you know i i probably would have put a a led zeppelin song but i don't know which one i would have picked i would we spent so much time listening to so many different things that there are quite literally you know it it would be at least (laughs) mixtapes were generally 90 minutes some of them were 110 minutes the yep the big long ones if you remember those mixtapes 110 whoa 110 <laughs> minutes that's almost two out you know like it just it, the by the end i mean there were these giant tapes i could fill several of them 
with songs that immediately make me think of you because that's how much time we've spent together. That's how much time yeah. we've spent around each other. And that's how much time we've listened to different things and gone to concerts and, you know, uh, we've never brought them up really on the show, but there'd be a Luna song on there. We've talked about my bloody Valentine and there'd be one of their songs on there. There's, you know, there's yeah. a million things that I could put on there that would say Darren to me, but you might not think of to put on there yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting to, to hear somebody else's perspective and what they would put on. So, yeah. Well, on that note, I think we should probably look at wrapping things up. We've been, we've been yapping about me for a long, long time. Yes. Anything else to add? I would love if the good listeners would email us their mixtape and their ideas of a mixtape and, and, you know, just maybe a short little blurb. Yeah. And, uh, and if we love it, maybe we'll feature it. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Playlists are always a fun thing to go through. Playlists are always a fun thing to talk about. Definitely. All right. Do you want to give out the the email address just so people have it? Podcast at gmail.com. Great. Perfect. Well, thanks for joining us. If you like what you hear, please consider following us. Until next time, keep listening to the music that means something and always try to listen with an open mind. End communication.